0: I said yes to an opportunity before I knew how.
1: And Mm. I think so
0: often in business and in life, people sit around waiting for permission. They wait for the perfect path, the perfect plan. They wait to know how it's all going to work out before they take even one step. And it just doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes you have to say yes before you know how, and it's in the doing that you learn how to do the thing. So I've now been a professional speaker for the last 10 years. That turned into a speakers group, which they slid me into. No audition, no application.
2: Welcome back to another episode of The Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and today's guest is someone that I think you're going to learn a lot from, um, especially if you are a female entrepreneur. I have none other than Christy Wright, uh, who is a number one national best-selling author and inspiring personal development speaker as the author of Business Boutique, A Women's Guide to Making Money, Doing What You Love, She is known for her unique ability to connect to her audiences with vulnerability, honesty, and a, you can do this attitude equipping and challenging women in the areas of faith, life, personal development, and business. Christy is passionate about helping women become more confident in themselves and the God who created them. Christy, thank you so much for hopping on.
0: Oh my gosh, this is going to be fun. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah. And you know, what I've learned about you so far, just from my research and listening to your book and even your podcast is that you are the go-to person for creating confidence. And, you know, one of the things that is really fascinating is because you're so rooted in, in your confidence and your ability to create that, it's how you got and kind of got your job being a Ramsey personality. So like walk the audience a bit through like how you became, you know, the Christy Wright that we all know today.
0: Well, it's a funny story because people ask me all the time, did you have a dream of being a speaker and an author? And I didn't. I have a degree in advertising. I thought I was going to work at an advertising agency in New York. You know, we have these plans, and and that's not how it always turns out. God has different plans. But it's funny because I think people have some ideas around this word confidence. I think it's easily confused with um, having a big ego, being self-absorbed, being narcissistic, Hmm. just assuming like, everything's going to work out. Like if if you're confident, it must mean that you're fearless, you're fierce. It's a special gene you have that no one else has. And, um, and I think that's just not true. I would say that for me, my confidence comes from a willingness to try. Like, I don't think it's always going to work out. I, I'm aware that sometimes I'm going to fall or, or land on my face, but I'm just willing to go for it and try. And I think how I became a speaker is an example of that. So um, this was about 10 years ago, I guess it was. And I was a project manager in my mid-20s, kind of entry-level doing teen products, so Bible studies, books, piggy banks, that kind of stuff for our company, uh, Ramsey Solutions. At the time, it was just Dave Ramsey's company, and we were much smaller. And um, about six months into me working here, um, his daughter, Rachel Cruz, Dave Ramsey's daughter, Rachel Cruz, was gonna come on board our team, and she was gonna be the face of youth and teens. We didn't have any other speakers at the time. There were no Ramsey personalities or anything like that. But she had spoken to teens before she had done some stuff with their bible study so she was going to kind of be an additional speaker in addition to dave well someone on my department in the publishing department arranged this whole uh contract ordeal plan where rachel was going to go speak at this conference every single day of the summer for 20 dates in different, mm. different states all over the country it was this crazy schedule And so they worked it all out. Rachel's still in school. Well, about two weeks before she's supposed to go on the road, she's about to graduate from college and come on the road and do this conference. Around that time, I had inherited this arrangement. I didn't set it up, but they kind of passed it on to me. Well, I had to take the travel schedule to Dave Ramsey, our CEO, and Rachel's dad, and get it approved, and it was just a nightmare. Like, it was the worst cheapest flights possible, where you had two and three connections, you're in an airport 18 hours a day, and then you woke up the next day to do it again. It was just, it was more than we really agreed to. So Dave, in all his wisdom, was like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> um, she can do 10 of those dates, and they can pick whichever 10, but she's not going to do all 20. That's just crazy. Well, because I inherited this whole arrangement, I had to go back to the conference and be the bearer of bad news and say, hey, I'm so sorry. I know your conference starts in two weeks, But Rachel's not going to be able to do all 20 of these. She can only do 10. And I'll never forget what the man said. His name was Chase. He was very nice. But he said, Christy, my conference starts in two weeks. I don't have her booked for 10 keynote presentations. I have her booked for 20 keynote presentations. What am I going to do for the other 10? Excuse me. What am I going to do for the other 10? And I said, I'll do them. And he said, can you speak? I said, I think so. I've never spoken in my life. But here's here's the lesson and takeaway from that, Doug. I said yes to an opportunity before I knew how
1: And mm. so often
0: in business and in life, people sit around waiting for permission. They wait for the perfect path, the perfect plan. They wait to know how it's all going to work out before they take even one step. And it just doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes you have to say yes before you know how, and it's in the doing that you learn how to do the thing. So I've now been a professional speaker for the last 10 years that turned into a speakers group which they slid me into no audition no application no interviews. Just like hey she did a good job let's put her here i went on the road that summer and had done a b for all of rachel's events i did all the keynote presentations for the other 10 and that has now turned into the ramsey personality so all that started because i didn't ask permission i didn't wait around for someone to say it's okay to do this i just said yes and solved a problem And that became my job. I think um, it reminds me of a quote from lean in by Sheryl Sandberg, where she says so often some of the best career opportunities are not positions that are posted, but problems that you solve and that thing becomes your job. And that's definitely been true for me. And um, another quote I love by Seth Godin, he says, if you wait until you have success to commit, you'll have neither. You Mm. have to commit before you have success, if you want a chance at success. And so it's just uh, confidence for me boils down to, yeah, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm sure going to try.
2: Yeah. And, you know, Christy, you know, what you just said there just hits home on so many levels. I mean, not just the whole confidence thing, but also like just the fact that you everybody has to think that there's, everybody thinks there's a perfect time to start a business or create something or speak. And sometimes you just got to be like thrown in the, in the midst of it and just like, you know, ready um, ready, fire, then aim, like kind of just fire away and then kind of bring it all back in to, to kind of like get the, tr- like in the direction that you're trying to go. I know from my personal experience, that's kind of has had what happened to me. And even in my speaking career, I mean, I was never like a, a seasoned public speaker. And I remember, um, you know, the Clemson football team reached out to me and they were like, Hey, we want to bring you in. Um, can you come in this day? And I was like, yes. Didn't even look at my schedule. You know, didn't even have the the presentation. Like quote unquote, planned that had never spoken to a college football team. And here I am speaking to like the number the defending national champions at the time. And so I can definitely relate to that. And I remember you sharing a story. um, I believe it was at the beginning of your book of when, you know, you were speaking, I think it was one of the first times and you were talking about the baby steps with Dave Ramsey and you're talking about, you know, living debt free. And I think, I mean, I believe the audience like gave you pushback and you kind of froze and you shared that in a very vulnerable and compelling way that. You know, if you just froze in that moment and never returned to speaking or doing anything, you wouldn't be where you are today, right? So, talk a bit about that moment and how it's made you into who you are, you know, today.
0: Yeah, well, I think we can all agree that no one wants to fail.
2: Like, mm.
0: No one. I don't know of anyone that like gets excited to be embarrassed, to fall short, come and last. Like that's not fun to be rejected. It's just, it's just not. No matter who you are. I think what's interesting though is the fear of failure keep some people stuck, Mm. maybe their whole lives, because they're so scared of failing that they don't do anything and they miss out on all of the potential, all of the possibilities, all of the dreams that would be possible if they were willing to at least try, at least risk it, at least chance it. Now, when you risk it, you might fail. But what's interesting is that failure, if you can learn from it, it doesn't have to define you and it doesn't have to stop you. It's that thing where you literally get up, dust yourself off, get back on the horse and you do the thing again. And, And so, It's not so much that I'm not um, afraid to fail. I'm afraid to fail. I don't want to fail like anybody else does. I'm just willing to. Mm. I I see it as a necessary step in the journey. So that speaking event that you referred to, I went to this event. I was already intimidated by the audience. And in the middle of my presentation, someone interrupted me. A a man in the audience was a small room interrupted me and asked a pointed question about investments, And I froze. Now, I knew the answer the second I walked out the door is just in that moment, I was so caught off guard. And I stumbled over my words and I fumbled and I tried to answer and I I could not get it together. Well, I lost them. I lost the audience and I lost every bit of confidence in myself and I could not get them back and I wanted to hide under the table and just disappear and I I cried the entire drive home and my rental car was six hours and I said to myself, never again. I'll never do that again. I'll never experience that again. That's what we do with wounds, don't we? Like, oh, I'll, I'll never do that again. That's me learning from the mistake. What's so interesting though, is you might learn from here's how I'm gonna handle a question in the future. It doesn't mean I should never speak again. It doesn't mean you should never launch a product or a business or a blog or the thing again. It just means you're gonna launch it differently. And, um, and I think when you reframe failure as a necessary step in the journey to success, then you're just willing to fail. It's not that you like it. It's not fun. You still don't want to. We still try to avoid it, but you're just willing to. And I love the um, quote by Michael Jordan. Uh, you know, if you're anybody's watching the documentary right now, it's so good, mm. the Last Dance. But he's one of his quotes that I've, I've held on to for years. Is he said, "In my career, in my life, I have missed 3,000 shots. I have lost 300 games." 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot at the buzzer and I missed. I have failed over and over again in my life and that's why I succeed. And I love that picture on this side of Michael Jordan's career. You can say, oh, he's the greatest basketball basketball player of all time. That happened because he was willing to fail. That happened because he was willing to take the shot and miss. And because of that, he had all the shots that he made. And so I, th- I think it just helps us not ever get comfortable with failure. Cause I'm, I'm still not, I don't like to do it. Um, I don't like to experience that like anybody does, but I'm just willing to for the greater end goal of growing and learning and putting myself out there to do what God has for me to do.
2: Yeah. I love that quote. by am. And I actually just finished the last dance. I believe it was like two weeks ago or last week. I mean, I kind of binge, I'm a guy who just like can binge watch, wait for it all to, to, to run and then binge watch it. And it was phenomenal. And you're right, nobody really sees the climb and the amount of times he fell and got back up and fell and got back up and how many people doubted him. And just like anybody else in success, whether it's you, whether it's even you know, a guy like you know, Dave Ramsey or anybody else that we see at the top of a mountain, we forget that they didn't just jump on top. They crawled and crawled and fell and crawled and fell. And, and I love what you say about that you're, you have to focus your attention on what you're fighting for. Like, and that's so important when you're hitting adversity, when you are, when you do fail and that you're on that mission, because I think it feels a lot better to fail when you're trying at something, you know, you want to be doing versus listening to what other people want for you, which is why I think having that foundation of confidence has to be at the root of entrepreneurship. So I know like your recipe to success, as far as building a business, it stems from your faith. Right and faith, fitness, which are obviously two major things for me. I mean, I'm a um, a man of faith, and I'm also, you know, a personal trainer. So I get those two things. When I heard you say that, I was like, wow, like she's got it going on. So talk a bit about like what your recipe for success is in building confidence in a way that's sustainable. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I take every day, either in my coffee or in a smoothie. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt free chocolate removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Again, earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Check it out for yourself and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show.
0: Yeah, I think what's interesting is so often, like I said, we have these mixed ideas about confidence, but even like what we were just saying with failure, I think that successful people, as an example, successful people see failures as an event, not as a statement about their identity. So then where does that come from? It comes from confidence. Like I can fail at the speaking event and not say I'm a failure. That event was a failure. That talk was a failure. How I handled that question might have been. A failure but I'm not a failure I love uh, is it was it Thomas Edison that said um, I didn't fail you know ten thousand times I just found ten thousand ways the light bulb doesn't work
2: when right you
0: yourself from your mistakes and realize that you can go on and try different things and it, and it comes from that confidence it gives you a resilience that I think you need in business and in life but you know for me whether you're pursuing a business or you're uh, building a career climbing a corporate ladder if you're a stay-at-home mom whatever you're doing I think for me it comes down to I love the the verse in Matthew where it says let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven to me when you shine in your gifts people see god when you shine in your gifts you're showing an aspect of god to the world that no one else can that no one else will and so whether those gifts are being used in this capacity or that capacity I don't think every single person start a business it's not like I'm a you know I'm a one track mind on this I just want to help you figure out what makes you light up, what are your gifts that you've been created with, and then use those, shine in those gifts. But so often, like you said, we do what other people want us to do, or what we feel like is the right next step, or the right path, I'm like, no, 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 no. What is right for you? What mm. is that gift to you uniquely to do? And go do that. And when you do that, I think that that's where you find the most fulfilling life, your version of success. But I think it's also where you step into the plan that he has for you as he he's the one that gave you these gifts.
2: Well, yeah. And I, I think, you know, the one thing you said that's so incredibly true is that just focusing on the gifts and focusing on what God has provided for us. And it doesn't matter what your view on God is, right? Whether you believe in Christianity, the universe, whatever, we can all, I believe, agree that when you are aligned with what you believe you were created for things just tend to naturally flow, yeah. you know, and not, right.
0: And, and what's interesting too, is to your point, um, I think most people would agree, regardless of your faith, that we all have unique strengths. Mm. We all have unique, like, I'm good at this. I'm not good at this that type of thing. And what's interesting is it like, let's talk business for a sec, for a second, as an entrepreneur, you're the CEO, you're the chief everything officer, you do everything all the time. But here's the trick, if you can find ways to intentionally align your time with your strengths, here's what's gonna happen, and either backfill for your weaknesses, outsource your weaknesses, automate your weaknesses, get help, whatever, delegate, what's gonna happen is the quality of your business is going to increase dramatically. Because when you're in your strengths, you're doing your best work so the quality is higher, you're having more fun, it takes less energy, you're able to get more done because you're in your strengths. When you let other people do the things that you suck at, but they're in their strengths, the quality is higher. It's more productive. It's more efficient. Everything is better when you stay in your strengths and you get help for your your weaknesses. And I think that's really important for entrepreneurs to remember because we just want to do everything ourselves. And what's interesting is we actually are harming the business, the quality, the production, the efficiency, the output uh, when we try to do everything. So instead, stay in your strengths. We were talking about gifts, but gifts, strengths, talents, whatever that is for you, Stay in that lane as much as you can. You'll still have to pick up some pieces, but find ways to spend the majority of your time there because you're going to be the most successful if you stay there. For me, it's all the big picture ideas. It's the creative, you know, that type of stuff. You asked me to put data in an Excel spreadsheet, Doug, and in like five minutes and I need a nap and I'm going to mess up the numbers. Like I like the, the creative stuff. So just knowing yourself enough to know how you're wired and then aligning your business and your tasks and your time and your to-do list with those things that make you light up. It's going to make your life and your business a whole lot more fun, but it's going to be, make it more successful as well.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, the one thing is so many people, they, they, they hear that they have to work, focus on their weaknesses and work on this and get back, which I think there's obviously, there's something to be said to improving areas of your life that need to be improved on whether it's like your health or whether it's, you know, your ability to, you know, communicate, whatever it is, but I think the thing that's so underrated is playing to your strengths and doing what you do, doing what you do best and hiring the rest. Like there's that book, I believe by Michael Gerber, the e-myth, where he talks about this. There's like the three roles in business. You know, there's like the manager, there's the creator, and there's the worker. Right. And if you're trying to do all three, that's why a lot of small businesses fail is because you're trying to wear so many hats. You're trying to do everything you burn out and you're not focused on growing in the way you're meant to grow. And, The one thing I think that is extremely fascinating in your approach to fear, which I've honestly never really heard this, um, in this way, but it totally makes sense is, you know, more fear, more fear equals less of a life, right? And it's so obvious because if you're fearing of taking a chance and doing what you love, you're, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to do it. If you fear starting a weight loss journey, you're not gonna do it and so on and so forth. So where did you kind of come up with this and like, how do you think people can kind of get past these fears to kind of like live a better life for themselves?
0: Yeah, I actually heard it in a sermon years ago where the pastor said, fear establishes the limits of your life. If you're scared of heights, you'll stay low. If you're scared of outdoors, you'll stay inside. If you're scared of relationships, you'll stay alone. And so that visual for me was very powerful. This idea of boxing me into a small Mm. one and the edges of the box are your fears. And so if you can decide, That I'm going to not run from my fear, not accept my fear. I'm actually going to lean into them because um, when you do that, here's what's amazing: the fear actually lessens. It may never go away. I don't know that I totally, you know, believe that you can just be totally fearless on something, but you can do things while you're scared. And so when you do that, what's happening is the fear lessens its power and control and limitations of your life, and the box that you're in gets bigger. Now you still got fears, you still got walls, but then your life has expanded, and you've got new things to push through. So like, it's kind of like we started talking about where I think a lot of people wait for the perfect pl- path to do something, but I tell people all the time, the antidote to fear is action. Nothing will silence your fear of doing the thing, like doing the thing, so go do the thing. Uh, Van Gogh said, if you have a voice inside your head that says you cannot paint, by all means paint, and that voice will be silenced. So it's, it's the idea that we're not going to run from our fear, accept our fear and say, oh, I'm just scared of that. I don't do that. It's like, that's the very thing we're actually going to do to expand our life to not be boxed into a small, safe, predictable, boring life. We're going to push past our fear and do it while we're scared.
2: Yeah. And I think uh, in my opinion, like fear is like kind of like a, a sense of direction for you. Like, right. Like if you know, like there's something you're scared of, chances are, you know, you should be doing it. I mean, other than like, you know, jumping in a you know, a sea full of sharks, right? I mean, we're not talking about stuff like that, but as far as in your personal life and business and in health, like that's how confidence you get built. You build confidence is by doing the things that scare you, right?
0: Exactly right, and what's so amazing is with everything that I do, every time I conquer a fear, every time I overcome it, literally I feel my confidence rise. And let me give you a really practical example that's not business, okay? This is like the most tiny, minute example, but you could apply this to big stuff, like the first time I walked on a stage or whatever. So I have I just had my third baby in September, so I have three kids five age five and under. <laughs> that is scary. That wow, is at times. And so the idea of taking all three of them somewhere in the car, all the car seats, all the bottles, all stuff, that feels very overwhelming. I know this sounds so silly, but like it really overwhelmed me. The first time I did it, Doug, the first time I successfully took all three kids for an outing, we went somewhere, we did a, whether it whether there was a doctor's appointment target, I don't know, whatever, and we came home, I was like, Yes. Yeah. Like my confidence, comp- like I did it once. I could do it again. I, I can take my, and that's a tiny, tiny example, but you apply that concept to anything. Every time you do it and you do it successfully, fear can't torment you with the terrifying possibilities of what's going to happen if you do it because you did it and you survived. And if you did it once, you can do it again. And with every fear that you lean into and push through, your confidence grows, your life gets bigger, and you know, you're able to do more things. It really is amazing the results you'll see in big stuff and in small stuff in your life when you do it.
2: Yeah. And I think so many people, I think, especially when it comes to fear, it's like, I mean, not only is there the fear of failing, they're they're afraid of what people will say. It's like they're afraid of what people will say if they do fail. They're afraid of people will say if they take that chance. And I know you talk a lot about like silencing the critics and being like, all right, you have a choice. Like life's about choices, right? You're either gonna choose, you know to listen to the critics are going to choose to listen to your calling from God. And I want to shift a little bit because this kind of plays into my next question is I know like you are so well known for building sustainable businesses for women and helping female entrepreneurs like step into their role and have the confidence they need to kind of move forward. I know faith is obviously at the foundation of that. So like walk me through like what you believe it looks like to, to build a sustainable business um, that can kind of last, you know, from the inside out.
0: Yeah. I think the most important thing that you can do, whether you're a man or a woman, um, and regardless of your faith is that you define success. Mm. And this is important because so often we have an idea and we start moving and shaking and making things happen. We throw things against the wall to see what sticks. All entrepreneurs do this. We make it up as we go. It's just in our DNA. Mm. The only problem is, In all this making stuff up as we go, we don't look up and look ahead at where we're going. And if we're not careful, we will build a very big business that is successful by someone else's standards, but not our own. We will end up crossing someone else's finish line. And so what I want you to do, even in the midst of your excitement, is look up and look ahead and say, what do I want for my life? What do I want this business to do for me? What do I want this business to bring to my life, my family, my bank account, whatever? because if you don't define your finish line you will never cross it now can that finish line change for sure for sure you might look up in a year and you're like hey i'm actually changing courses we've got a new opportunity or i've got a new thing that god has put in front of me however you make your decisions but you have to look up and look ahead and decide where you're going because if you don't you'll never get there now one of the one of the differences here with women and men and i've seen this in news articles for years You see all the time statistics show women-owned businesses are trailing male-owned businesses in terms of revenue, in terms of locations, in terms of number of team members. You know, it's got all these metrics. That is one way to measure success. It's not the only way to measure success because a mom that I work with that's an academy member, and she makes $10,000 a year in her business, and she doesn't have a single team member, she doesn't have a single retail storefront, but her whole goal for the business was to pay for Disney for her family every year. That is success. That's what she wanted. That's what she built. That's what she's doing. And so some people don't want bigger, better, more. Some people don't want to lead a team. Some people don't want multiple locations. And so I think the only ma- the only version of success that matters is yours. Gender mm. woman, regardless of your industry, you need to know what you're chasing. If you want to be the next Sarah Blakely of Spanx, do it. I support that. I would love to help you get there. If you want to make to pay for your kids' sports this fall, that's awesome too because it's your life and it should reflect what's important to you. Now, it may change because that mom, that stay-at-home mom may get into business and go, okay, I got a knack for this. I'm gonna hire a team member and then in five years, she's trying to be the next step, like, that can change. But I just think it's important to give yourself permission to create the business and life that you want that defines your version of success.
2: Yeah, vision creates clarity, right? And I think, you know, I love the analogy where you got, you know, two people that have like bow and arrows, or there's a group of people shooting bow and arrows. And it's like the Olympics, right? And they have that target. And if you're trying to shoot at the person next to you's target, you'll be disqualified. Like even you could hit a bullseye every single time on their target, but you'll, you will be disqualified. And it's the same thing with life. When you try to shoot at someone else's target or run someone else's race, you might finish, but it's not going to really count. And when I say it's not going to count like inside, you're not going to have fulfillment because you're chasing after somebody else's dreams, somebody else's goals. And I think you're so right in that, you know, it has to come from a solid foundation for having, you know, a vision because if you're just like just going and just throwing stuff and hoping it'll stick, that's all well and good. But if it's not part of a greater purpose and greater plan for you, when you fail and you experience hardship and you experience those critics, it's going to be a lot harder to get back up because there's nothing bigger like kind of leading you like along that. So, you know, I kind of want to wrap this up a little bit. And so imagine like you're talking to a young person, maybe they just got out of college or maybe they just got out of high school and they want to start a business, right? What advice are you giving them? Um, maybe there's some pitfalls that a lot of people make that that we should avoid, or maybe there's some like easy wins they can do. Like what, what advice would you give them?
0: Okay, I would say the, the mindset I want them to take, um, and this is for any of you listening right now, is I want you to focus on what you can give, not what you can get. When we focus on what we can get, can I get likes and followers and fans and income and applause and spotlights and stages and success? When we focus on that, we're gonna miss the mark and we're gonna mm. fail in business and fail in life. But if you focus on what you can give, how can I give value? How can I help people? How can I provide solutions? How can I provide um, you know, uh, information or content or life change or transformation that helps people? you'll get all the things you want and more, and more. And so I think if you focus on what you can give, not on what you can get, it's gonna change everything about how you approach your business, but I'll give you the most simple, tactical thing to do to start a business. Let's say you've got your idea, you, whatever, it's a landscaping business, it's a, a fitness business, it doesn't matter. The one piece of information that you need to know that's gonna help set the, the course for everything else you do is you need to know the problem that you solve. What is the problem that you solve for your market? So landscaping, how are you helping people improve their landscape? If it's fitness, are you helping them lose weight or build strength or do you have a certain style? Do you have nutrition you incorporate? You need to know the problem you solve and here's why. That one piece of information is the most important piece of information you could ever know about your business. It tells you several other important pieces of information. It tells you your target market. Your target market are people that have that problem. It tells you your value proposition. What are you gonna charge for solving that problem? That's why people are gonna pay you their hard-earned money. It's the only reason they pay you. Not because your website is cute, not because your granddad started the business. They're gonna pay you because you solved that problem. And it also informs your marketing language. What are you gonna talk about on social media, on blogs, on brochures, at networking events? You're gonna talk about how you solve that problem. So I would just encourage someone that has an idea to boil it down to the problem they solve and let that inform everything that they do when they build the business.
2: Yeah. I mean the, the two points you just shared were phenomenal. A the from coming from a place of service, how can I, how can I serve, right? How can I give and not just receive? How can I help, you know, help people, you know, solve a problem, right? How can I help people create a solution with things that they're struggling with? It all goes hand in hand because I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, as, as people, we want to just say, well, what can you give me? What can you give me? What can you give me? What's like, no, like, how can I help you? How can I serve? It's like that upside down triangle, the servant leadership, right? Which I know, like, obviously, you all are so um, passionate about over at Ramsey. And it goes the same whether no matter what business you're in, you have to really serve your customers, serve your team, and it all kind of comes together. So I, I absolutely love this conversation. There's so many nuggets on business, confidence, failure, and everything else. So where can people find out more about you? I know you're on Instagram. I think it's at Christy B. Wright. You got the Christy Wright show that just launched what, yeah. like a few weeks ago. Um, where can people find out more about you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, on Instagram and then my website is Christy B. Wright. And we talked a lot about confidence. I actually have a free five day confidence boost that they can download where they get kind of these steps to help encourage them develop that skill. Cause I remind people it's not a personality style, it's a skill and skills can be learned. So yeah, I'd love to connect.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Skills can be learned and the more we can know that we're not the smartest person in the room, I think the better we will be because I think a lot of times when we think we know everything, we really know nothing. And when you are looking to build a business, you need to learn new skills. And Christy, you're definitely the go-to person for that. So I'll make sure to put all your information, including your five-day confidence offer in the show notes for people to grab hold of. And I thank you once again for coming on. It's been awesome. Thanks,
0: Doug. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah. So for those listening, please um, you know, reach out to Christy, reach out to myself if you enjoyed this episode, which I'm sure you will. And go ahead and listen to this again, because you know, this is one of these episodes, again, where you can take tons of notes and learn from someone who has experienced massive success um, from failing and trying a lot of things that didn't work. And she just kind of has this recipe for success. Um, so once again, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and we will see you next time.